You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey guys, welcome to The Devoted Podcast. So I'm uh, interrupting our regularly scheduled Proverbs series today. This wasn't the plan. I told you all a couple weeks ago that I was going to do a four or five week. Hadn't really totally decided how that all was going to work out. Just a little dive into the Proverbs a little bit. We are going to continue that. So if you joined us last week, we kind of went into the fear of the Lord and wisdom. And I told you at the end of that one that we were going to get into words and works in Proverbs. And we will do that next week. So that is coming. But... The Lord just put some stuff on my heart from this last week, and I felt like he was asking me to be obedient to this and take a little detour to from what my plan really was. So I think we've all kind of settled into the reality that life now seems to be kind of a series of extremes, I think, nowadays. You know, it feels like we kind of go from one extreme or really not good situation to another. And I'm not trying to say that to sound like everything is terrible and this is just the worst of all worst things, because it's not. And I actually am hoping to really show you guys some scripture to just encourage you guys in that today in that regard. But regardless, things feel pretty extreme. And I sort of found myself these last couple of weeks, just there's been a lot of heavy and you kind of just go, man, what do we do with this? Those days of when it just kind of felt like it was just normal and you just kind of had a schedule and you just kind of did your thing and you lived your life. And I don't know, it just didn't feel like there was quite so many extremes, quite so many mountains and especially valleys. I feel like it's been a lot of valleys. But again, lots of things within those things to be so grateful for. And so I'm encouraged by that as well. Second Corinthians 2.11 says that we are not to be outwitted by Satan. For we are not ignorant of his designs. Some translations use schemes or plans. We are not to be ignorant of Satan's design schemes, his thoughts, his intentions, his plans. We're supposed to know what's going on with him. And it's not really that hard to be real. I mean, he he doesn't have a whole lot of tricks up his sleeve. He just kind of does the same thing and just plays it in different ways. We know that he hates us. We have scripture that tells us that he is a roaring lion seeking whom he may be devour. He hates us. He hates us. He hates us. And I don't love that word hate, but whenever I say that about Satan, I try to make sure I use the word hate. Because I know moms were like, oh, no, we don't want to use that word. That's not nice. He isn't nice. He's not nice. He does not like us. He really wants your utter and total destruction. And he doesn't just want yours and my total destruction here on this earth. He wants it for eternity. He has nothing good for us. And the reason I I overstate that, I guess, so much, it's actually not an overstatement, but why it seems so exaggerated is because I think a lot of times we just look at things that he's up to and we go, "Uh, is that really that bad? I don't know. It's okay. But that's not uncommon either, because we also know that he comes disguised as an angel of light. And he kind of makes his stuff sound real good, really convincing. So I guess where I want to go with this today is because I've observed a few things in his little bit of his nonsense schemes lately in the last week. And I'll just be honest, I'm kind of done with him. Do you have those moments when you just, I'm just done 
with the things that he's up to. And I, it kind of gets me feisty, probably in the best possible way. But I'm a little feisty at the things that the enemy is up to today. So you may you may hear a little bit of that today. But the best thing we can do when we find ourselves sitting in this evil day, like Ephesians 5.17 talks about, that when we find ourselves with just darkness and the evil things that are going on in our world, we want to get into the Word of God. The truth is there, and the reminder of who is actually on the throne, it's right there in the Word. And we need those reminders. Otherwise, it feels really depressing and really dismal. So when you're sitting in these evil days, you really need to be in the Word to be reminded of who's on the throne and who's got this, but also to be in the Word so that you aren't ignorant of some of the things that he is, the enemy, Satan, is trying to do to destroy us. So today, I want to talk about two actually totally different things in some ways, but both have a common denominator. And that common denominator is that the mastermind behind them both is the God of this world, the very enemy of our souls who hates you, and he hates me. He is behind both of these things. So the first one I want to look at a little bit is because if you've been watching the news at all, you've seen that there is this new thing. Well, it's not really very new, but it's definitely made a resurgence in the news and it's it's coming. But it is something called the Equality Act that is all in the news and is trying to get passed. And if you don't pay attention to the news here, you know, because some of you might be like, yeah, I just I don't really even know. I don't know what's going on in the news. And sometimes I would be like, I don't blame you. So here's what I would say if you're not all about being in the news. I would encourage you to not immerse yourself necessarily in the mire, like complete saturation. I don't think that that's a healthy place to be. It's not helpful. I would not say that that is the, that is the direction you should go. But I do think that we should know what's going on because often the things that we are seeing these days are issues that are actually very much biblical issues and things that the Bible has things to say about. And as Christians, we should know what those things are. We should know what God thinks about a certain thing. We should know what the enemy wants in a certain thing so that we we know what those things are. I don't think we should be ignorant about those things. And that way we won't be deceived when they come our way. So what is this Equality Act and why are you talking about it on a podcast focused being on devoted to God's word? Well, I'm glad you asked because here's the thing. Being devoted to God's word is knowing what God has to say. And it's about obeying the word that he clearly laid out for us. Matthew 10, 16 says, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. We are to be in the world, but be wise because we are being circled by wolves. So I'm going to kind of put some, uh, I don't know, I can kind of see this as a wolf right now. But here's, here's the wolf that's circling around us right now. And it's it's in this thing called the Equality Act, so-called. And it would amend the 1964 Civil Rights Act to include protections to people based on sexual orientation, gender identity, and also pregnancy. I'll talk to you about that one in a second. It's kind of weird. So I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of the vast ramifications to this. That definitely takes more of a political track. And I'm not trying to go there, although I would tell you to be informed about those things because the ramifications of this thing really, really, really are very far reaching for us as people who believe in the God of the Bible, who believe in a design that is by the Lord. 
There's many ramifications, and they will absolutely affect you on so many levels. But what my purpose is, is I just want to remind us of what God's Word says on these things. Guys, it's not politically correct, but just to remind us of the biblically obvious. Okay, in that act that I just read to you, one of the ways it's going to extend these civil rights protections, it said sexual orientation. Okay, Super biblically clear, should be, right? Sexual orientation, marriage, that's what we're talking about, homosexuality. Marriage is clearly between one man and one woman as far back as creation. That really should not be in dispute. Culturally, it is, but biblically, that is not a dispute. Sexual orientation is also talking about homosexuality. Homosexuality is a sin. It is condemned as a sin in the Old Testament and the New Testament. You can see Romans 1. You can see 1 Corinthians 6. But dig into your Bibles and see what the Bible has to say about this. Because sadly, there is a lane of liberal progressive Christianity that is working to apply what I like to call linguistic gymnastics to say that this is not the case. I would just say study your Bible for yourself. Look up these passages. Sexual sins just broadly, fornication, adultery, these are sin. Because homosexuality and sexual orientation has become more of an agenda and a lifestyle to be celebrated, it has distinguished itself as something different than the other sexual sins. But it it shouldn't. It is not the unpardonable sin either, I just want to say. Homosexuality is not the unpardonable sin. It's just sin. Just like adultery or living with someone before you're married is all part of sexual sin. But it's, it's just sin. And sexual sin, while a very harmful sin, it's not the only sin either. It's just interesting how these issues are portrayed, sometimes wrongly, both by Christians and by people that would be very accusing of the church on these things. But my sin is no less in need of repentance and Jesus than the man or the woman who struggles with same-sex attraction. Not at all. Unfortunately, Satan has promoted the lie that this isn't sin, but it's actually who the person is. And as such, to confront that sin would be to confront and deny the very identity of that person. And that is just a lie on its face. We are not our sin. I mean, do you, do you think about that when they're saying that that is who their identity is? That's just, it's just a lie. We are not our sin. Romans tells us that all have sinned. And we all have fallen short of the glory of God. But the idea that there is, that since we fall short, we need Jesus, the repentance of our sin and the covering of his grace, not that we should celebrate our sins, but it's just that we do fall short, we do sin, and we do need those things. We do need the Lord. We do need repentance, not to celebrate our sins. But that ship has sailed on this issue, has it not? I mean, we have normalized and celebrated the issue of sexual orientation in everything from, you know, a T-shirt you can buy at Target or a diversity inclusion profile pic on your FB profile. I mean, it is everywhere. And if you are not on this board, then you are hateful and you're awful. And it's just not true. I'm going to reference several times in this podcast, 2 Corinthians 4. I would just, man, read that whole chapter. There is just some good stuff in there. But 2 Corinthians 4, 2 says, We refuse to practice cunning to tamper with God's word. Tamper with God's word. How is it our world is tampering with the word of God? Verse 4 says, The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Who is doing the blinding there? The God of this world has blinded the minds. This is one of his schemes. This is something he is up to. 
He wants to have us tamper with the word of God, and he wants to blind the minds from seeing the light of the gospel. And the thing that is so sad about that, guys, is because this is not the hateful rhetoric that they try to paint us into, that if we are not inclusive, I'll talk about that word in just a second because that one fries me, if we are not accepting of the sin, then we're hateful to the person. And this is so not true. That is a way that the God of this world is blinding their minds. It's just wrong. It's just a lie. It is so mainstream, in fact, that I think we as Christians have just grown kind of weary of all of this, you know, and I and I get that. This is never to say that we would ever want to treat anyone dealing with any sin poorly or non-inclusively, as they say. And I said that word earlier, inclusivity. Okay, this word choice is killing me because the argument that is being presented is that if you ascribe to any sexual orientation that is outside of God's design— that you are not included. That's the word they like to use. Have people been treated badly on this issue? Yes. Yes. And is that sin the way those people have been treated? Yes. All of us have sinned, but none of us should desire to stay in our sin once we have given our lives to Jesus. Ladies, it's so important that we just define our terms. Don't be deceived by this tactic of the enemy's deception to rob language or morph it in what he wants it to mean. It denies it of the truth of it. That's not true. The other issue that the civil rights protections are being extended to is gender identity. And let me first say on this, gender dysphoria is real and troubling, and we should be compassionate to those that struggle with this. But biblically, this is not a great issue. Genesis 1.27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Super, super, super simple. And it's just a lie of the enemy that there is anything other than biological males and biological females. That's it. And this one gets my ire up at adults, parents sometimes, but all this whole group, because sometimes it's when in creeping in in school curriculum. And it's just this idea to say that it's okay to say you're gender fluid and we just have to wait and see, you know? We just have to wait and see what you're going to identify with. I mean, that just kind of makes me scratch my head. And it really, it should. Because moms and dads, adults, this one is not tricky. This is a no-brainer. That's not me saying that there is not kids and adults that struggle with something that we need to give them help and compassion for. But this does not say that that is actually a thing. There are two genders. That's all there's ever going to be. But see the enemy in this. See how he is deceiving. See how he is trying to redetermine what certain words mean. And anything that goes against God's design, he is all about that. So while, yes, I know this is out there and it's it's a prominent piece of legislation right now, well, let's just stick the legislation thing aside and look at this from the side that this is the enemy at work here, trying to cause people to go against what God's design is. Another one that's kind of snuck into this act is that you can't be discriminated based on pregnancy. And I admit when I first read that in the bill, I was not really clear what was meant by that. I was like, ah, what, what do you mean? How can we discriminate by that? But that one boils down to a Christian doctor not being allowed to refuse to perform an abortion. Guys, that is appalling that a doctor would be asked to kill a baby because otherwise it's discriminating. 
And in this case, if this was passed, it would make it actually become illegal for him to not perform that. But God values life even before we are born. We've talked about that one before. So these are these are just kind of should be in my brain. They feel like they're no-brainers. God has clearly designed marriage for one man, one woman. God has clearly defined what the genders are going to be. God has clearly defined that he is all about life, that he protects life, that he values life. And we have these three things that culture and our world is trying to legislate and do all this nonsense with. And yeah, I know that there's there's people and there's policies and there's laws and all about this. But what I want us to do here is to kind of peel all that back and biblically look at those things and see actually what is happening there. This is the enemy trying to deceive and do things that are damaging to the design that the Lord has created. So there's a ton that you can unpack from a political space on this act, but I just wanted to give us some reminders on the biblical framework for these things, because while I think all of us kind of tire of the news, the enemy is happy to use our weariness even, you know, he's happy to. He's happy even to use our, maybe our laziness of like, man, we're just sick of hearing about this and we're sick of talking about it. Instead of seeing Christians really dig into the Word of God, be encouraged in the Word, and and we're going to go into some of those scriptures because I really do think there's so much encouragement about this too. But know, know it for yourselves, but have the biblical framework on these very relevant cultural issues that are just an affront to God and His design for us. It's damaging. It's damaging to our, our culture. It's damaging to us personally. It's damaging to our own faith in Jesus and the way we look at the gospel and how He came to save us from sin, not leave us in our sin. Ephesians 5, 11, and then 13 and 14. I'm going to read a couple of these, but I, I love this verse. But Ephesians 5, 11 says, "'Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them.'" And then verse 13 says, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I love this verse because of several things that it reminds us of. It tells us to not take part in any of the unfruitful works of darkness. I think it's pretty safe to say you look at these issues and you can go, these are unfruitful works of darkness. And it, we are to have no part in that, okay? We're not even to tap our little toe into that water. But instead, it said, expose them. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about this with our kids and friends and not be afraid to address these things because they have done a brilliant job. They, I'm meaning like just the world, largely speaking, have done a really brilliant job of painting Christians in this light that were hateful and terrible. We're not those things. But if we choose to not expose these things and speak the light of the gospel and of Jesus and what God's beautiful design is, we're just creating a vacuum there that they can kind of fill in the gaps with whatever they want to be in there. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, Christ will shine on you. I, I love this reminder that we need to not be a part of any of these unfruitful works, but we also need to expose them. So leaving that, I wanted to look at another work that Satan has been up to. Because the enemy has also been really busy lately with our teens and our kids in general. Now, if you're listening and you are single or maybe you don't have kids, don't tune out here because I think there is something in here for every single one of us. If you're a mom of little kids, maybe you're like, man, I don't even want to think about having teenagers. Don't tune out here. And by the way, 
teenagers are actually pretty awesome. So don't be scared either. They're actually really great. But last week, many in our community here had, we just walked through an awful situation of a tragic loss of a sweet 15-year-old boy that we knew. I know sometimes those closest to the family members who take their own life say that they saw signs or things that might have hint that there was trouble. But guys, this is one of those that from everything I know of in this situation, and no, I, I don't know everything, I don't see that. So it's it's one of these things, it's just so hard because you just go, man, what what do we do with this? What do I do with that? I mean, if you're a mom, you want to be able to say that you know your flock. We talked about this at our last Devoted Live, and I brought up the scripture, Proverbs 27, 23, that says, know well the condition of your flock and pay attention to your herd. You know, this is important to do. We do want to know where our kids are at. And if your kiddo is still in the mire of digital learning right now, because a lot of kids still are, and if they are really just like rolling over, logging into a class, and then rolling back over and going back to sleep, I'd say get involved. This is not good. I've just, I've heard a lot of stories about this lately. And sometimes they just kind of feel like they don't really know what to do. It's like, well, it's digital learning. What, you know, what do we do? What kind of outlets do we do? And so then some people are saying, well, you know, we really just allow our kids to engage really well through online video game stuff. You know, that they could hear each other and they could talk to each other or whatever. And I just want to say, be really discerning with all of those things. Our kids, people in general, do not do well in isolation. You know, since we're in our little Proverbs series here in the podcast, Proverbs 18.1, it says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Guys, we can get ourselves into all kinds of trouble in isolation. And whether that means there's just an absence of accountability, maybe, in the things that we can actually get into, or maybe that isolation is just causing a ripe ground for the enemy to whisper those thoughts and to plant these seeds that are just lies, on their face lies. And probably there are things that if we said them out loud, if we said them to someone, a friend or a family member, someone that was right there in the room with us, they would point that out to us and say, that's not true. That's not who you are. But in isolation, we can kind of let the enemy, he gets to he gets to have both sides of the conversation there, you know? He gets to whisper and he gets to say these things and we go, oh, maybe I should believe that. Isolation is not a healthy place to be. And, and there ha- there's been so much of it in the last year. And sadly, guys, it's still continuing. And my, I'm even more concerned because even though as things do start to open up and there is more opportunity for people to not be isolation, some of us are getting a little comfortable with the isolation. And we're like, you know, I'm actually kind of good just doing church on the couch. And I'm, I'm this I'm talking to people who don't have like a medical reason or, you know, a reason that they need to be home because sometimes there are those reasons that you need to be home. And we're really thankful that we still can watch church and gather in a <laughs> air quote kind of way to still be part of church. Absolutely. But I'm talking to the people that perhaps church has just become like, oh, we've just kind of found a new normal and I can eat waffles and, you know, sit here and do church and it's all good. 
I would encourage you to really pray about that. And if you are getting comfortable being in isolation and you've removed yourself from fellowship and engaging with people, it's not a good place and it's not something that biblically I think that we can, we should be encouraging that we stay in. The enemy uses isolation to his benefit and our destruction. And when we're in isolation, it's kind of like Disneyland for him. You know, he can do all, just spread all the vile lies he wants to say about us of what is true and who we are and who God is. And he'll use whatever tools he has at his disposal. Earlier, I was saying singles, those without kids, to not tune out. And here's the thing, because I don't think this is necessarily just all about teenagers, guys. Don't forget that all of us can be susceptible to the enemy's lies in this. And so I think that's one of my things of encouragement from the word is just to not forsake assembling together. Do not forsake fellowship. Don't keep yourself in isolation. Because this could be even you today that's being lied to and feeling like you have no hope. Those are lies and the enemy is behind them. So I'm praying that isn't you. But regardless, I bet we all have someone in our herd. You know, I said that verse earlier that we need to know the condition of our flock and to pay attention to our herd. Who is in our herd? And who might be really hurting in our herd? And I'm going to take that pretty broad, you know? Maybe it is the community that you live in and the high school in town that you don't know a single one of those kids. But I wonder if maybe the Lord would just call you to pray for those kids. Maybe it would call you to do something even beyond that. I don't know. But I do think that there is something in this for all of us. Because what what's in our herd? There is so much hurting, guys. And I think that we have opportunities that we can speak light in Jesus into these places where right now the enemy is just having a field day. Reading more into 2 Corinthians 4 in verse 6, he says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Guys, I guess as I've been seeing these things that we're seeing either on the news or in our communities, I'm just struck by some of the wins that it feels like the enemy has seemingly had this week, you know, or lately. It just feels like he's winning sometimes, and I and that gets discouraging. So my purpose here is to hopefully open our eyes to what and who we are fighting, because it's not that person it's not that law. It's not the legislative body that is acting in a certain way or whatever. It's not those things. We need to recognize who is behind all of this stuff. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's what Ephesians 6.12 says. That's a crazy opponent list, right? I mean, if you think about it, look look what it said there. Cosmic powers, spiritual forces, this present darkness, spiritual forces of evil. I mean, that's like a seriously doomsday who your enemy is. And that doesn't look like anything that we probably on our own merits, I know I sure don't, feel like we have what it takes to battle that. But that's where the good news comes too, because we can't battle that. So we need the Lord in all of this. First John 4, 4, I love that one. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It is so easy to feel tired and even just sad at what is being played out in front of us right now. For sure. I have been there in these last couple of weeks, for sure. But what I told my kids, what I keep telling me is we need to armor up. Read the rest of Ephesians 6. 
maybe memorize Ephesians 6, you know, like 13 through 18 or so. That's the whole armor of God passage. And we did a whole podcast on the armor of God. That's just a passage I come back to over and over and over again because we need every single one of those implements. I love how the Lord is so kind in that we just happened to be as a family going through the armor of God with our kids. And so Chris has been leading the the boys through each implement and and we've been talking about the practical implications of of the armor of God and the positional ones and it's a powerful passage guys. It's so good because it's so enabling of where we're at right now. In fact, I think I'm just going to read that section of the armor of God. It's just such a great reminder to us in this. But he says in Ephesians 6, it starts in 10, and he tells us to finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I want to just, I would just, let's just memorize that part. Not our strength, but the Lord's might. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. And then he tells us what to do. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the common denominator of the schemes of the devil of all the things that he is trying to absolutely wreck us with right now. Verse 12 continues, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. That's the part I read to you earlier. And then he says in verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. And then he goes through each of the elements. He says, stand there for having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Oh, guys, it's such a powerful list. It's such a powerful list. If you are looking right now at the evil that's around us right now and feeling really discouraged, spend some time in Ephesians 6 and maybe even memorize and think about the things that you, how you can practically put on each of those elements. Because what it's telling us is that that opponent list I read you, I mean, we can't do anything with that in our own flesh. There's nothing we can do without that. We would feel like it would be hopeless if we were fighting that. But the Lord gives us this armor of God, and we are not without hope. 2 Corinthians 4, 8. See, I told you I was going to be in 2 Corinthians 4 a lot. The whole chapter is just amazing. But verse 8 says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. And then later down in verse 16, he says, do not lose heart. I think I just wanted to read all of those scriptures, meditate on those, get those in my head, because it can feel so discouraging in these days, When whether it's something where you see just a tragic loss to suicide. I can't think of anything worse, really, for a parent to go through. But even personally, that for the things that that individual that feels like they are at their last leg, that they have no hope, the lies that the enemy was saying in those moments, I just, I don't want to give him that. And it makes me want to do something with that. 
It wants me to see who's really at work there. That would be the enemy. I do not want to be ignorant of his schemes. I want to know who we're fighting. And then I want to look to the word to how to fight it. I've quoted a lot of times that Ephesians 5, 16 passage, you know, that's the one that says making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And this just feels like an evil day. But what is the best use of the time? You know, what is the Lord asking you to do right now? Maybe he's just, you know, maybe when you're hearing some of this and I, I brought up some issues that you're like, oh, I didn't even really know that was going on. Maybe he's just asking you to not be ignorant of what's going on and to not lack in knowledge, really. Hosea 4.6, it has an interesting passage there. It says, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. And then it says, because you have rejected knowledge. Don't reject God's word. Don't reject God's knowledge. We, we need to cling to it, especially in these moments, especially in these evil days. But we shouldn't be the one that doesn't know what's going on either culturally, but especially when it is things that are what the word has something very specific to say about that. We should know those things. We should know what the word says. A couple more little pieces of encouragement in this. Colossians 1.10 says, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. When it feels like you just don't really know what that next step is, whether it's the enormity of the evil of the day that you it just feels too big and you don't really know. I love these gentle words of where it says, so walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Walking isn't very hard. Walking's not hard. Running is hard. I'm never going to be a runner. But walking is not hard. And I feel like the Lord is just gentle in how he, he does these things. He's asking us to walk in a manner that's worthy of the Lord. How can we walk in a way that is worthy of what the Lord has given us? How can we fully please him, it says there. And then it says, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Well, that's what we do, right? That's what we want to be focused on is being devoted to Scripture. And we want to see the things in His Word that tell us how to live life in a manner worthy of the Lord. If the evilness of this day is getting to you, and I don't know if you could tell, but I think it's gotten to me a little bit in the last week or so. It's just been hard. Go to the Word. Psalm 73 says, but for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. I hope that if you're in a spot right now where it just, it feels a little discouraging, it feels dark, and maybe you either are dealing with someone who is in isolation, and maybe the Lord is asking you to reach out to that person. Maybe you're the person in isolation, and maybe you're being challenged to reach out. I hope that you do that. And I hope that you open your Bible and you just sit in some of these words here. Psalm 73, I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of your works. Because as defeating as these last couple weeks felt with some things in the news and the things going on in our community, I know who wins in the end. And while he is the God of this world, he is not the God, big G. He is not the God that sits on the throne that is ruling and reigning. And that just gives me such hope, guys, that even when it is some of the darkest and hardest times, that that's, that's the truth that we can 
really cling to. Maybe you are struggling with the isolation and feeling like the enemy has been having a heyday in your mind. We would love to be praying for you. If you ever want to reach out to us, you can email us at The Devoted Podcast, or you can also email us at Athey Women. You can always reach us that way, and we would just love to be praying for you. So please don't fight these battles alone. Isolation is not the way to go here. So let's be encouraging one another in prayer, and let's really be taking up the armor of God together and defeating the enemy that is, while very real, absolutely will be defeated. He doesn't win. So I would just encourage you to reach out to us if we can be praying for you in any way. We would love to do that. Next week, we will come back into the uh, Proverbs series again, and I will go back in there. I say that, but then, you know, who knows? What if something else hits me and we get side sidetracked again? But I do think that this is where the Lord had us for today, and I just hope this was an encouragement to you guys. Again, I put all those scripture references in the notes, so please go write them down. Go look some of those up. Find out where they are on the pages of your Bible and mark them and highlight them and know them, because that's really where you're going to be encouraged. Thank you for tuning in to The Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of Athey Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at atheycreek.com.